From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, March 1st. Water levels in Lake Powell, the nation's second largest reservoir on the Colorado River, are at a record low. To keep it from declining further, federal officials are ready to spend tens of millions of dollars to incentivize farmers and other water users in the river's upper basin to conserve. But not everyone agrees that paying farmers not to farm is the way forward. Chris Clements with our partners at KSJD has more. Greg Vlaming is a farmer who lives in Lewis in southwest Colorado. We're standing on his snowy farm field looking out across his land. This is the orchard area. I've got a couple of hundred trees in there. They're just in their fifth year. At our feet is Vlaming's metal diversion box, through which water flows to irrigate his fields. There's been a lot of conservation done in this area over the years to um, deliver and use the water as efficiently as possible. Those ongoing conservation efforts are getting a significant expansion this year in the form of a rebooted System Conservation Pilot Program, or SCPP. Vlaming is trying to convince other farmers in the region that the program is a good idea. And I think conservation is something that we're obligated to do given our weather situation and our, and our shortage of water. The SCPP passed Congress in December and sets aside $125 million in federal funds. That money would pay farmers like Vlaming to use less water and leave some of their fields unplanted this growing season. Here's how the program works. Farmers and other water users throughout Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, and Utah can apply for federal payments, and in exchange, they promise to use less water from the Colorado River Basin and the water they would have used to grow their crops stays in the river. We've been in a 20-plus year drought here, and we're trying to make the most of what little water we have. I'm not planning on applying. I feel like it's too close to demand management. That's Jeremy Redshaw, a farmer who lives just down the road from Vlaming in Dove Creek. These kinds of conservation programs that pay farmers not to farm are polarizing. Redshaw says he's concerned if farmers start reducing their water use, it could have ripple effects throughout the local economy. I want to keep farming. I want my kids to keep farming. Elizabeth Kobley studies water policy at the University of Nevada, Reno, and says farmers might be wary of a program like the SCPP because they see it as a slippery slope, a small program that could someday result in the widespread drying of agricultural land. It could lead to, um, or I should say longer term drying of land, which then has impacts like negative ecological outcomes. So I think those things are um, kind of on the top of people's heads with this. She also says the amount of money the program is offering, $150 per acre foot of water, could be too low to entice them to participate. If people know that we really need this water, then maybe they want to be paid a higher price for it. Maybe they're concerned about, you know, whether this compensation actually accounts for potential negative impacts to their field. She says it's also difficult to prove the conserved water is actually ending up in Lake Powell, where it's desperately needed. In other words, there's no guarantee that farmers' sacrifices and the federal funds to incentivize them will actually help boost the reservoir's levels. Chuck Cullum says that's a valid concern. So there is some risk that uh, not all the water will make it to Lake Powell. That's a a fair characterization. Cullum is the executive director of the Upper Colorado River Commission, the agency tasked with guiding this expanded conservation effort. He says the SCPP is ultimately focused on making the upper basin more resilient to drying conditions. And so we will continually be evaluating the effectiveness of the actions based on the entire the entirety of the 
what's happening both in the lower basin and upper basin. For farmer Greg Vlaming, a conservation program like the SCPP, even with its many caveats, is important to upper basin farmers like him because... Water is a finite resource and it's our limiting factor here for our agricultural economy. And so I'm, I'm concerned about that. And, he says, for him, saving water on his farm is about doing what's right. I'm Chris Clements in Cortez, Colorado. This story is part of ongoing coverage of the Colorado River, produced by KSJD, distributed by KUNC, and supported by the Walton Family Foundation. A new federal grant program will subsidize clean energy projects on tribal lands. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis looks into what kinds of projects the program might support in the Four Corners region. In January, the U.S. Department of Energy announced $50 million in funding support for tribal clean energy projects. These grants will range from $100,000 to $2 million. They'll fund projects like bringing electricity to tribal government buildings that need it and community-scale energy-generating systems. One way this grant program could make a difference in the Four Corners region is with solar projects. Glenn Steiger is an executive consultant at Navajo Tribal Utility Authority, which oversees a number of solar projects in the Navajo Nation. He says subsidies make a difference when it comes to solar projects. At any time during the construction of the plant, if we find that we could have grants or subsidies that's going to reduce the overall cost to us of the plant and certainly have a beneficial impact on the cost per megawatt hour, let's say, to whomever we might be selling output to. Two million dollars in funding might seem like a lot, but it won't kickstart a utility-scale solar project. The Navajo Utility Authority's Kayenta Solar Project provides 55 megawatts of solar power to Navajo homes and businesses. But the cost of Kayenta was over $100 million. 70% of that, or around $70 million, came from federal funding. So program grants of $100,000 to $2 million aren't going to fund projects like these. Doesn't seem like a lot of money to me. Mike Eisenfeld, energy manager at San Juan Citizens Alliance, agrees. But it seems like that's not a lot of money in terms of clean energy projects and the capital needed to to get a project off the ground. The hydrogen hub concept that the state of New Mexico is pursuing with three other states, I believe that that was like $1.25 billion. When it comes to the economics of clean energy, these grants from the Department of Energy are more likely to help small-scale projects, like a solar array for a municipal building. Scott Clough, an environmental programs director for the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe, is hopeful the tribe can secure one of these grants for a hydro project. A hydroelectric project on the on the Toyok Highline Canal, and that's just north of town here. And we've been considering and doing some negotiation on this project for for over 10 years. That is a scale of project that yeah, the Department of Energy funding would match with pretty well. Hydropower in Toyok, yes, believe it or not. By 2024, the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe will have 10 hydropower plants capturing energy from pipes that drop 220 feet from the Toyok Highline Canal. These plants will generate an estimated 18 kilowatts of energy. The total cost of the project will be $5 to $6 million. I'm Clark Adamitis. Many national parks in our region were very popular last year. 
Emma Vandenaiti with the Mountain West News Bureau reports. The National Park Service released data identifying the most visited parks in 2022. Five of the top 15 were in our region. Zion National Park in Utah and Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado ranked third and fourth respectively, with around 4.5 million visitors each. Yellowstone in Wyoming was seventh, with just over 3 million visitors. Grand Teton and Bryce Canyon also made the list. Overall, visits to national parks in 2022 were up 5 percent from 2021. Some of these parks are piloting reservation systems to help control numbers. Naaman Horn with the National Park Service says this creates an opportunity to enjoy other parks. There's so many incredible small national parks that get much less visitation. If you want to try and avoid the crowds, that's a great way to see historic or cultural resources that are close by. Still, some park advocates worry that increased crowds could put pressure on an already underfunded agency. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Emma Vandenaiti. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, March 1st. You can find the newscast anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.